It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome in to another Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. As always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet. We look at sports topics of local interest, of national interest, and we've got a great one to finish the podcast with today that Rick dug up and I heard a little bit about yesterday that will absolutely blow your mind if you have not heard about the latest and greatest way to cheat in high school athletics. All right, Rick, get us off. Big show today, Skinny. we got a special guest coming on in a little bit, and we will also be talking college basketball next week. have our college basketball preview coming up a week out from the season. It's incredible to think that, what is it, two weeks from Tuesday we we start? Uh, November the 5th? I mean, basketball season is here. This is is where we thrive, Skinny. We're in the middle of football season. Basketball, after last night is back on every single day college basketball is right around the corner I got, high school is for I you got, I got four high school practices under my belt I feel good I feel energized I, you know it's funny you say that because I, I the first practice and I was coming off of a weekend in Baltimore I caught a 6 a.m. flight to go there on a Sunday morning yeah caught yeah. a 6 a.m. flight coming back had our first practice on Tuesday I was dragging didn't want to be there didn't want to be there I gotta say, I got in there, and next thing I know, I look up, and somehow practice was over. And so I'm go. like, all right, here we go. We're back in the mode. You're energized. Yep. I'm well hydrated for the show. I good. just drank a lot of water last night, so <laughs> I feel good. Awesome. Skinny, the Bengals did it. The men did squandered what? away one of the few potential wins left on their schedule Sunday in a 27-17 loss to the Jaguars, and that got the national talking heads going this week. Shannon Sharp commented that the Bengals should have been careful what they wished for when they made the decision to get rid of Marvin Lewis, while Stephen A. Smith said that Lewis had to go but the Bengals made the wrong hire when replacing him. Do you think the Bengals would be in a better position right now if Marvin Lewis was still the head coach? If Marvin Lewis, the head coach who had the power in the early 2010s, was the head coach, maybe. Um, uh, yeah, let, let's backtrack for a second. Um, Stephen A. Smith, does. I, how do you know it's the wrong hire? Just because they're 0-7? I mean, have you taken a deep dive into this football team, Steve? Can I call him Steve? Steve? You can, can call, call him Steve? Steve, sure. Or A, Steve A, S-A. How about S-A? Can I, can I call you that? And Shannon Sharp, I never understand what the hell he's saying anyway, so it doesn't really make any difference <laughs> Unless he's talking about yeah. Hennessy and Black and Miles. <laughs> yeah, I really don't don't know what he's saying. Um, there, there is a little of that. I've, I wrote that a couple years ago when... I, I said Marvin needed to go, but also you need to be careful what you wish for because the grass isn't always greener. I, I think the thing is, we need to cut to the chase of this is not a Zach Taylor issue yet. This is completely an organizational issue. And the thing that made Marvin Lewis, I think, successful somewhat, and I think you have to deem it somewhat successful. I can't think that you deem it an overall success. He didn't win a playoff game and barely was above 516 years, but I think you can deem his tenure based on the history of this freaking franchise, and especially since Mike Brown has taken over after his dad died. You can deem his tenure success is how much and when did Marvin rest control away, and when did they start taking it back? And I swear it feels to me, and I'm still hunting around for this answer. I mean, I'm, I've been diving the last two weeks trying to figure out who's been in charge of late, who's in charge. In fact, I'm, today's going to be an ask the question to Zach Taylor. When a trade is made or if a trade is made or if a roster move is made, where does the buck stop? Does it stop with you? Does it stop with Duke Tobin? Does it stop with Katie? Does it stop with the old man? I don't know that. I cover that team every day. Those of us that cover, we don't know that. None of us know that. I think it stopped with Marvin for a period of time. I think Marvin was in control of a lot more than maybe we thought. We knew he was in control of more. And then it felt like the Andrew Whitworth letting him go. And then that next John Ross draft was almost like they had taken the power away. And at that point, Marvin just went, F it. I'm good. Yep. You guys do what you want to do. I did what I can. I did what I can. And good luck to you. Because it felt like he honestly... Felt like after the Whitworth and Ross drafts, he had kind of checked out. It just, it really felt like that to me. And especially now that I look back on it, if that's what they did, I don't blame him. If he fought that hard for the control, and maybe they looked and said, well, you haven't won a playoff game, so we'll take it back and we'll do it our way. Well, all I know is since since, since Andrew Whitworth left, and starting with that John Ross draft, this has been a flaming train wreck. And that's why this team is, this team is an 0-7 because of Zach Taylor. Could they have won... A couple of these games with a different head coach? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they've been in some games and maybe a decision here and a decision there from a more veteran guy gets it done. But would this team overall be that much better? No, because the personnel isn't that much better. Marvin Lewis's tenure is such a a complicated case to look at. And I have a feeling it's only going to get more complicated as we continue to get farther away from it because... 
we're seeing what's happening already. This franchise wasn't in a position after he left to go on and do the right things and, and he was holding them back. They were still a disaster behind the scenes, which we probably all knew, but it's been very clear since he left no that doubt. it's still a, a, a total disaster. Can you tell me this? Why did you draft Drew Sample? I'm, to, do, to do what? That's so far down the list of things oh, I'm concerned I know about with the Bengals, but, it, but, but that is, I mean... It's an example of, of... A perfect example. Who made that choice? Whose choice was that? If that was Zach's choice, then okay, I'll blame you, Zach. If that was Duke's to- Tobin's choice, blame him. Whose choice? Somebody... That's the thing I'll get, though. Well, it's a collaborative. Okay, that's great. You have a collaborative on a lot of things. And, and, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a head coach of, of a freshman basketball team, so... I have a couple of assistants. They collaborate. Who makes the final decision? Me. I'm the assistant coach on the varsity. I can give input. Who gives the final decision? The head coach. That's what these things. So somebody makes a final decision. And it may be he takes my suggestion in a timeout. And and that's all well and good. And you can always say, well, that was Skinner's decision. Well, no, you ended up pulling the trigger on it. That's your decision. At my level, that's my decision. I may take your input. And if it messes up, I'm the one that signed off on it. So I want to know who the Bucks. You got to agree with this. The buck stops with somebody, right? There's not five people on the phone on draft day going, we'll take It's a big jumbled mess. I mean, five different names getting yelled out. If somebody you just makes your that car, announcement, we apologize for that. I, I, that. That's the thing. Who does the buck stop with? It, that, that is the thing that I am most concerned about with this franchise right now. And we're going to talk about the trade deadline coming up and the lack, the Bengals' lack of moves here with our next topic. So I, I won't go too much farther down right. that road. As far as Marvin Lewis goes, do I think they could maybe have a win on on the board right now if he maybe. was the coach? Yes, yeah. because you wouldn't have been making the transition to an entire new coaching right. staff while also dealing with the terrible personnel that you have. Right. But like you pointed out, this is not a Zach Taylor issue. He's not the reason they're 0-7. He's maybe the reason they're 0-7 instead of 1-6 compared to Marvin yes. Lewis. Yeah. But what does that matter? Right. So the, to answer the question... Would the Bengals be in a better position if Marvin Lewis was still here? They may have one or two more wins, but they would absolutely not be in a better position because it would still be status quo as always. They wouldn't be trying to move forward. Look, at least we have this all out in the open now. At least things are at rock bottom as bad as they can possibly get. And theoretically, they'll be forced to do something. Now, there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency. Nope. But theoretically, it's all here now. They can no longer say, we're just, we're about to turn the corner. You know, they have to do something now or at least continue to be the laughing stock of the NFL. Or Marvin watch, Lewis isn't there to clean it up anymore. Right, or watch your fan base continue to erode. And it's eroding at a rapid pace, oh, more rapid than I've ever seen it This is as bad before. as I can ever remember. Yeah, yeah, and I, I thought it was bad when they hired Marvin. I think it's worse now. I, I would agree with that. All right. The NFL trade deadline is now one week away, and teams have started making deals, the most notable of which included the Falcons shipping former Bengal Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots for a second-round pick. But as radio silence from the Bengals, who haven't been involved in rumors or anything else the last two weeks, do you think the Bengals make any type of moves at all before the trade deadline on October 29th? I don't. I I, I hope. I wish. I think they should for sure. Um, but I don't. I mean, they don't have a lot of chips. We talked about it last week. We kind of broke down some of the chips, right? I mean, they don't have a lot of chips. The main chip to deal was A.J. Green, and they've kind of fumbled that all, all around because they keep coming out publicly and saying, we're not going to do it. It would seem, I don't... I mean, I guess they don't have a, a guys with a ton of value, but it would seem like they do have some players that teams might want, and they certainly have no reason to keep anyone. I mean, no, I think no, anybody I, I, should I, be available. I agree, I agree with that. But I, I go back to what you just talked about in the last topic. Who is in charge? Who is making these calls? When I hear a guy like Dave Lapham go on with Lance McAllister a bunch the last few weeks, and he basically dejectedly says... Mike Brown isn't picking up the phone and calling anyone to make a trade, and besides him, I don't know who else is going to be doing that. That is that, so concerning issue. and so depressing fr- from a fan's perspective on so many levels. What 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 should you want if you're a fan right now? What are you looking for? What you're looking for is you're looking for who is in charge to fix it and how will they fix it? But do you think and anyone right now will we step don't up? Know. No, I don't. Is it, so is it? That's the depressing part. Are the front office people so scared of saying, "Hey, I'm the one in charge because Mike Brown." It will fire them and doesn't want anyone to be in charge? Or what's the deal there? Why is no one... Usually, decision makers want everyone to know they're the decision makers. They get off on ego and power. What, what, With what, the Bengals, we don't have that What anymore. the family is afraid of is giving somebody control over decisions like personnel. And, and, and literally... And, and having what happened to their father, somebody swoop in, do that, work their way up the chain, and take the franchise away from them like Art Modell did to Paul Brown. That's not going to happen here. Mike's in charge. He's the majority shareholder here. Nobody's taking this franchise from you. Listen, there's the other part, too, that, that I really be- I've believed this for, for a long time. I mean, for a long time. 
He has wanted to prove that he knows as much football as his dad did, and he doesn't. And I go back to my dad worked in the airline industry. I didn't. I don't know the first thing about it other than I hop on a plane on occasion and fly away to some other town. My dad and put, take your shoes off. Take my shoes off on occasion. Yeah. I mean, because your dad was a plumber doesn't make you a plumber. I mean, it it just and and the the goal with which this 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 family has taken this city and taken their money. And gotten a taxpayer-funded stadium, and then stubbornly sat by and and not done anything to come into the modern NFL organizational flowchart of having a general manager in place, having scouts in place, plural. Uh, maybe in today's day and age, having an analytics person or two on staff. Um, I can't see as a fan how you have any way to to enjoy supporting this team because I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And the light I see is is a freight train being driven by Mike Brown. That's what I see. Yeah. That's That's depressing. It's so depressing. And, like, we're trying to worry about what the rest of the NFL from the outside is talking about. Who's going to be dealt? What moves are the Bengals going to make? Is A.J. Green going to be gone? And we're in here. We're all like... Of course not. Of course they're not doing anything. We're having excess. We're arguing about existential questions about who's in charge. And right. I mean, just ambiguous things that we really can't answer from a fan's perspective. I mean, when you say guys like yourself and Jay Morrison and Paul Daner and guys who have been around the team covering it for a long time, Jeff Hobson, who works for the yeah. team, no one knows the answer to that question of who's in charge. That's mind boggling. That is frightening. Because in other organizations, the person in charge is the general manager. He was the one that directs the ship. And even He's if the they're face not, of it. there's someone very clearly yes. pulling the strings, and they make it yes. well known every single yes. time they do something. Yeah, and and listen, if, if, if things worked well, I'd say do it your way. They have not. I want you to think about this. A little baby born on January whatever, 10th, 11th of 1991, by the time the Bengals would conceivably have a chance to go to the playoffs again, which would be the end of next season, that kid's almost 30 years old, man. And in his lifetime, the Bengals have never won a playoff game. And the overwhelming majority of time, they've had losing records. I mean, tell me about Think it, man. Think about that, dude. I was born in 87, so they played in a couple Super Bowls when I was a baby, and I never got to experience anything. Yeah, yeah. That's, ins- that's, that's just incredible to me. And I Think about, the be- think about the fact that the best years of my life as an NFL fan are are the Kimo Von Ohlhofen year. <laughs> yeah, that's not Seriously, a great no, right. that is the best year of my life as an NFL fan. I, The whole thing is just mind-boggling to me that they continue to think that their way works and they continue to want the public to believe their I don't way even works. Know if, I don't even know if they think that. Oh, I think they think that. I just that. don't think they have a because, direction. Because I guarantee you, if I had one of them sitting across from me right now and they're listening to this, they would tell me, well, what about the playoff years? Oh and I would God. say, no, I think oh Marvin gets credit for the playoff years, to be quite frank. I don't think you should want credit for that. I mean, I don't think you should I think want you, credit. I think, I think in fairness, making the playoffs is an accomplishment. It's, making, it's an accomplishment until you lose five years in a row in the first round. Then it becomes a sore point of, uh, like, I mean, it's like you see constantly bragging about how they get to the first round of the NCAA well, tournament every single year and then the, lose. The other part is, I want you to look at, and I'm going to do this for a column on Thursday to kind of look at kind of the topics we're talking about. The vacuum of Marvin Lewis, look at the years from 90, the last playoff win up until Marvin was hired. And now starting this year, which is arguably going to be a 2-14 and 14 season at best, go look at the composite records of those and tell me that maybe Marvin didn't make a difference in those years and how without somebody with a strong personality like Marvin, you've now got young whipping boy as a coach. I mean, that's what you've got. You've got a kid that, I hey, think that's right. happy to be your guy coach. I just want to coach my guys and that just, you know, that, just tell me who you give me and I'll coach them up. And... And I'm I don't know that that's, that's going to work. I don't know that that's his fault. No, I don't either. I don't know I'm that not... anyone could have overcame that unless they were some huge personality that's a veteran in the league that really well, was able to take control and it, knew that coming in. And that's why I go back to I wonder if part of it is that's what they want. They want the the coach who can simply not he, he's a yes man who's going to take whatever's given his way and go coach him up. Right. It, it doesn't work that way. It's like any corporate structure, right? You put the yes man in charge who's not going to say no because they're happy to have the job they have. Then when it's time to make tough decisions, they say yes to you, even if they're stupid decisions. I mean, this poor guy now is literally talking in terms of trying to win a game. I mean, yep. that's literally how he sounds. Skinny, they shouldn't feel like an 0-7 team. No, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. Um, but they are. Cordy Glenn returned from concussion protocol and made it through one whole practice last week before he got into a verbal altercation with, quote, a member of the Bengals coaching staff. Wonder I wonder who. 
and was suspended one game and fined $200,000 for conduct detrimental to the team. Zach Taylor said at Tuesday's press conference that Glenn is back on the roster and the team will be taking it day-to-day with him going forward. What do you make of the Cordy Glenn situation, and do you think he's played his last snap for the Bengals? Yeah, as we're recording, that was actually Monday's press conference, but yeah, as we're recording this, this is Wednesday, before his Wednesday press conference, before um, we see the team in the locker room, and before practice is held. I I can't see a scenario how he's played, how he plays for this team again. And for Zach to say that on Monday, I get it, because on Monday, they had to make a decision on him to uh, procedurally put him back on the roster. He was suspended for Sunday's game. Monday, they put him back on the roster, cut a guy they had signed over the weekend um, to make room. So technically, that day is back on the roster. And I think the only thing that day-to-day bought Zach and the staff and Cordy Glenn and everybody is a chance to then figure out what you're going to do between that day and today, Wednesday. I can't see a scenario that they bring him back on this team and teammates accept him and um, the coaching staff accepts him or any of that stuff. The flip side is I can't see how you cut him because if you cut him, you have to pay him all of his salary. And so what he will have done is he will have gotten his way for milking the concussion protocol in a shameful way. Listen, concussions are real. I believe guys should take whatever time it takes to get back. This cat has milked it because he's got numerous independent decision, independent opinions that have said, you're fine. And he keeps saying, want another one. You're fine. I want another one. You're fine. And finally, he came to push game to shove. That's it. You're out of opinions, bub. You can't. Go, the next doctor you can see is either Dr. Oz or Dr. Phil. You ain't seeing anybody else. You're going to be cleared. So what happens? He comes back and practices. He's pissy. The 20 minutes we got a chance to watch him, he looked pissy. And I'm guessing that old man Jim Turner, who's an old Marine, hey, if you're not carrying your freight in practice, and I would do the same as a coach, buddy, get your ass in gear. Let's go. You're back here on this roster. If you don't want to play, get the hell off my field. Voila. There we get altercation. And Cordy stomps off mad. And here we are at the impasse we're at. In a vacuum, I agree with everything the way uh, everything you just said and the way you framed it. The problem is... We've got a situation where, as we've laid out, the Bengals are an absolute disaster. The franchise is an absolute disaster. The decision makers are an absolute disaster. The roster they've put together for this year is an absolute disaster. (laughs) So if I'm Cordy Glenn, I don't know that I'm risking my body and one of my last years being able to play in the NFL with this team either. I might try to sit out as long as I can as well, I, even though he's screwing B, over I'd his I'd call teammates. BS to that, though, Rick. I mean, you're being paid to play. You're a professional. That's what you're being paid to do. Uh, I'm not asking you to come back in three days from a concussion, but uh, but he had a self-diagnosed concussion. I under, Look, I'm not saying what you're and saying is usually wrong. usually at the very longest, it's two weeks. And I might even give you four weeks if it's really bad. Dude, this cat milked it for 10 freaking weeks. That's fine. And, and, and despite, again, the fact that they got multiple opinions on it, not the Bengals saying, you're fine, go play. You have to be cleared by an independent neurologist. What you're saying is correct. He absolutely did this because he doesn't shameful. want to play for the Bengals right Utterly now. Utterly shameful. I, I agree with you. He completely worked the system so that he doesn't have to play this year. I just kind of get where he's coming from because I don't know that I'd want to put my body on the line, especially if I'm a veteran who's at the end of my career, waste one more year on this team. I don't really blame him for sitting out. And if he can game the system and rob the Bengals from all that money... I don't blame him for trying to do it. I would probably try to get away with the same thing. Bottom line, this guy just doesn't want to play football. He didn't want to play in Buffalo. He doesn't want to play here. that might be true. Now, the other side of this is, in a vacuum, okay, I can see where Jim Turner's coming from, right? You've been milking the system. You show up. You act pissy. You don't want to be on the field. Get the hell out of here, bub. I don't want to see you. Dude, my only problem is, Jim Turner, everyone knows the guy's an asshole. No one really wanted him to be here in the first place. They still decided to bring him in. Two, what, three guys have quit the team that are under his position group. And granted, they all have separate reasons that are personal and everything else. And it all checks out. I get all that. But at some point, when guy after guy from your position group keeps quitting the team and no one wanted you to be here in the first place, I have to start to wonder if maybe you are part of the problem, Jim Turner. And that's possible. And even if he's not, even if he's a great guy, with all the things Zach Taylor was going to have to overcome this year with this franchise, with a bad roster... Why did you have to have Jim Turner he loves on loves your staff? As, right or wrong, he loves him as a coach. That's freaking he insane because him. do you think he'll be back next year? I do not. No I, one I, does. I've never thought that. I thought. I mean, the, the whole process all along was going to be that that, that uh, Bill Callahan, who's right. now the interim head coach in Washington, he'd be out of his contract for this year, come back and join the staff. His son Brian's the offensive coordinator, and voila, there's your, your offensive line coach. Jim was just a year stopgap. It was Zach doing, doing Jim a solid. Hey, man, I got you back in the league. Coach my guys up. 
Well, probably it, wasn't the right time a, to do a solid. That's correct. For a stopgap it, it, it's, it's probably fair. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Bill Callahan, I mean, granted, he probably wants that job, but is he even going to want to come to the Bengals at this point with a, as big of a disaster as this? Who knows? That's good question. That's a legit question, too. Um, yeah, I, the only thing about Cordy is I, I just don't, when, when you see some teammates that are playing through injuries and battling week to week, how you can, in full full conscious, consciousness, Look them in the eye and 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 have any have them have anybody respect you in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, probably not a lot of guys respecting him in that locker room right now. And um, if you ask him, my guess is he probably doesn't care about That's that the, the way he's I treating it. Don't I don't disagree with that. All right, Skinny, we're going to switch gears and for our next topic, special guest Adam Clements joins us to talk some college football. You've seen him on Good Morning Cincinnati. If you follow him online, you know he's Hang on, our breaking resident. Breaking news. What breaking Ohio news State we have right now? Breaking news. Uh, house fire. House fire is out. Okay, good deal. Good. good. No one dead. No cats and dogs lost in the situation. Yeah, good. All right, the big game this weekend features the Buckeyes hosting the Badgers of Wisconsin. Ohio State is undefeated still after a 52-3 win over Northwestern last weekend, but Wisconsin had a major slip-up and lost its first game 24-23 at Illinois. Wisconsin was ranked 8th in the country before dropping to 13th after the loss. Ohio State is now ranked 3rd. What does this game mean for Ohio State now that Wisconsin took a bad L? We'll start with you, Adam. Well, it... It kind of loses a little bit of its luster. Um, you know, you had the the prospect, the likelihood that, you know, you'd have game day in Columbus and it would have all the hype surrounding it to undefeated teams really playing for the playoff, I think, at that point, because I don't I don't know what other outside of maybe Penn State. I don't know what but that's other, in Columbus. So and it's so late in the season. Yeah. I don't know what other tests they have on their schedule. And they own Michigan. Point. So, yeah. Yeah. And at this point, they haven't really been tested. You know, I right. mean, I, 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 I had a. a a nervous moment going into Nebraska just because it was a night game. It was on the road. You, you know, you, you don't know what to fully expect. And boat raced them. No, no worries. No worries moving forward. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it was going to be an elimination game, but now it's a fully an elimination game for Ohio State. You can't lose to a one-loss team and then still hope to make it with one loss. The thing is, you know, I've watched Wisconsin a bunch, and I always like their style because they're true to what they do. They just get big old linemen, and they line up, and they say, here we come, and this is our style of play. And it's In today's day and age, it's unique because everybody else is running spread stuff. But the thing is, we all we look at all the bells and whistles of Ohio State's offense, right? You look at Justin Fields and the things he's done, and the way Dobbins runs, and, and the offensive line and the receivers. But that defense is freaking ridiculously mm-hmm. good. Yep. And for Ohio State, I think I said it the one week, and I was wrong. I think you start with them scoring 40 points, and then you look at the other team and go, can they get to the 40 yeah. mark? All right, well, Michigan State held them to 34. Good for Michigan State, yeah. and they only got 10. I don't see how this isn't probably a blowout win for Ohio State, and I know that's probably counter because I think Wisconsin's really good. I think Ohio State is the most complete team in the country by far. I, I agree with that. The the where I see this game being big, I think Ohio State fans realize they have to win it, but you don't need style points as long as no, you beat Wisconsin. Right. You're still going to be keep the fine. zero in the right hand count. Yeah, you have all the respect. You can still be number one team in the country in a week or two if someone loses. That's great. But where this game gets big, I think, is Justin Fields' campaign. For winning the Heisman because like you said they haven't been tested by a real defense yet I think most outsiders across the country are going to be tuning in this game say I want to see that kid against a real defense if he puts on a show and they score 35 42 points again I think it's his Heisman to lose heading going the rest of the season however if it's an ugly game played in the low teens or 20s and he has an off game throws an interception or two it's going to completely change the complexion of his campaign going forward it's going to be Joey Burrow time I think I think you're right yeah (laughs) one thing Chris Olave Ohio State receiver but somebody asked him this week uh you know how do you prepare going up against this secondary and he said we we prepared all off season by going up against this secondary secondary (laughs) in the country so you talk about them being the most complete team in the country and that kind of says it all yeah and if you look at at a couple of wisconsin's games i mean illinois hit him for a couple big pass plays even northwestern as bad as their offense was hit him for a couple big pass plays now neither team really ran the ball very effectively against that wisconsin defense i don't think ohio state will have a 200 plus yard rushing game probably but i still think you're going to look up and they're going to have 460 yards and they are going to score in the low to mid 30s and the defense is going to hold Wisconsin to 10 and you're going to go I didn't really need to sweat that game after all. Yeah. So I again I, yeah you everybody's right about them not being tested. Um but Michigan State's a bowl team. UC's a really good UC yeah. might play the New Year's 6 bowl and now you start yeah. looking back at that. That I, doesn't look as bad a loss for UC and it looks better and better of a win for Ohio State yeah. the way they handle UC. They're, they're not getting nearly enough credit for what was a great top 25 win. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, UC is a solid team at this point, especially when you look across the rest of the country and some of the teams that are ranked. UC is, UC is pretty solid. So, yeah. so I would ask you as, as a fan, when you get to this stage of the year 
and you can see a little light at the end of the tunnel of potentially being in the playoff and the national title. How much do you start sweating games like this where you know that Ohio State is better, but Wisconsin's fully capable? This isn't, you know, this isn't bottom-rung team. This is a capable team. How scared and nervous do you get on game day? I'll put it this way. I was in school when they won the national championship uh, with Trestle. Uh, early uh, to uh, two thousand Krenzel team, yeah, the Craig, the Craig Krenzel team, where every single game was a nail biter. Yeah, the Purdue game, he threw up a prayer and they answered yeah. the prayer and Holy won the game. Buckeye. Yeah, um, Google that. I did a commercial for that. Columbus. <laughs> Not was, to brag, uh, yeah, but he did. Uh, uh, you know, that's. I, I feel like that's ingrained in me to, to be just to be nervous. But I, I don't know. This team just feels different. I think I do too. I, I think agree it's with as that. complete as they are, and the fact that you talked about, yeah, they're they're probably not going to run the ball all over Wisconsin, but there are no holes in their passing game. Right. I, I just. I. I'm just not. I'm not scared. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you should be. Yeah, I think for this Ohio State team, it's more like you're worried about the like the Purdue game last year. It's the slip-up game yeah. that they're not going to be up for. I mean, they've been circling this game for weeks now. The fact that Wisconsin right. lost, okay, maybe that adds a little something on the Wisconsin side where you're like, oh, they're a little bit more dangerous now. But for, from Ohio State's perspective, I agree. I don't think the big games you worry about, it's the slip-up games. You're worried about something happening like what happened to Wisconsin where they're probably looking ahead to Ohio State and – Boom, yeah, there's the, Illinois. The, the yep. good thing, though, is it's Maryland and Rutgers before yeah. Penn State and Michigan. So even when you slip up, 35-3 isn't so yeah, bad after all. Exactly. Also, let's be clear that there is absolutely zero chance that Michigan is beating this Ohio State team this year. Uh, yeah, zero. Yeah, and that's the I guess there, there's, your, there's your sweat game, right? Because you get to that point. No, there's no chance. I know Penn that. Penn State maybe, it, one of those other losers in the Big Ten maybe. Right. No chance they're losing this Michigan but it, team. But it's 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 in the big house. It is. It, it, Harbaugh's going to probably fight for something. And that's the exact for, for reason Michigan has no chance. Because Harbaugh will not. That's, that that's the game I would sweat just it, for every other well, reason. And it sounds cliche to say you throw you throw the right. records out the window, but it, it is a different game. But at the same time, it's Harbaugh. Yeah, I, he just doesn't beat Ohio State. He doesn't. Uh, he needs to worry he about beat ranked teams. He needs to be yeah. worried about winning against Notre Dame as a favorite this that's, weekend. Because I don't yes. think that's going to happen. That's a good point too. That's actually probably his biggest game because you start losing again to that, and you look up and you're probably the Ohio State game. You're looking at either not being eight and four or seven yeah. and five, and you're getting paid that kind of money at Michigan. You better start sweating for I your hope gig, he bro. Stays for decades. <laughs> I have a feeling all Ohio State fans feel that way. Adam, thank you very much, man. Yeah, guys. All right, good luck, guys. All right. All right, good stuff from Adam there, Skinny. And it keeps us rolling right into our betting segment where we will talk about that Wisconsin-Ohio State game. But first, you want to give us our records. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like the way you do that, Rick, just because I had another lowly week and you didn't. Why don't you give us the records? Uh, Well, hold on. First of all, you always give us the records. That is like your job on this podcast. And second of all, I did not have a good week this past week. Just kind of the way you phrased it was a little little snarky, in my opinion. I don't think it was. Look, I'm hydrated. It's a good day. It's football season. It's basketball season. It's quarter zip season. We're having a good day. Love quarter zip season. Yeah, let's keep, let's keep it on the All up right. here. Last week you were 9-7, and seven, 60, 42, and 1 overall. That's pretty good because if you take the 10% juice, you would be up 13.6 units. That's pretty doggone good, brother. I, on the other hand, was 79, 53, and 49 my record, so I actually am just barely in the negative column when it comes to the units uh, won or lost, so basically you'd about broken even with me, but you'd want a chunk of change taking Rick's picks. By the way, I gotta say I did hit an 18 parlay at, at Hollywood Casino. Actually, it oh. got busted down to seven teams, unfortunately, because I pushed one of them. Was it mixed? or It was all college football, okay. all night. A little $5 to win 210 initially that somehow got busted down to 105 because I pushed the one game. Oh, well, that must have been a under, big underdog there? It, no, pushed? it was it was uh, Wake Forest Lane 2 pushed, oh. which is unbelievable. So I had Tennessee getting 34 and a hook, had Kentucky getting 25, I had Utah on the money line, sizable favorite at 635. I had USC laying nine and a half. I had, um, who else? I had another team on the money line that was a decent size. Oh, Penn State on the money line. And I had one other spread game. And then the game I had to sweat on the money line. I just threw them in just to kind of expand the parlay out. This would have cost me this 17 parlay. Texas on the money line to beat Kansas needed a last-second field goal at home to beat Kansas. How mad would you have been? Oh, my heavens. I mean, I wasn't going to lose a fortune. I didn't bet a four. I bet five bucks to win 200 initially. But to have it be on the money line, losing that, I think they were minus 2,100. Or minus technically what, what, two, 210. Or no, actually, no, minus 2,100, actually. Two, you have to put up 2,100 to win $100, is what yeah. you had to put up. Yeah. To have them lose... Mm. Wow. Yeah, my brother had a, it was just a three-teamer, but it was for a, a decent chunk of change, and he pushed on the 49ers nine. 
Oh my! <laughs> that was the, the one slot. he was by far most well, confident he, in, and he got a little lucky because that that number I think at one point was ten, and yeah. it actually then it was nine and a half in the morning, and it must. When did he get it? No, we we got it early at oh nine. I got okay, it so last it Thursday. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he, I'd say he got a little lucky, but it is still disappointing to push it. Yeah, nine no. of all, nine of all numbers. Yeah, especially with that 49ers game because if that's not played in the slop, right. that's the game you're most they confident in by far, no doubt. All right, skinny. Let's go to our picks this week. Starting Saturday at noon, we have that big Wisconsin at Ohio. Ohio State game. The Buckeyes are 14-point favorites. The total in that game is 50 and the hook. I'm going to go Ohio State 31 to th- 31 to 10. Um, I think it goes comfortably under the number. I like the Buckeyes to cover. Um, you may sweat it when it sits at 31 to 10 and, and Wisconsin starts to put together a drive, but they're, they just, outside of Jonathan Taylor, their passing game is very pedestrian, and I just don't see how they score much at all and move the ball much at all in this Ohio State defense. I do think Wisconsin will give Ohio State some problems with their defense, but I, but even I'm saying that, I'm, I'm giving Ohio State 31 points. That's still a pretty good chunk of, chunk of points in a game. In a big time game yeah. with two, you know, big time, I mean, Wisconsin is a top 10 team in the country. Let's I agree. Be very with that. I agree they're, with that. they're ranked 13th because they had a terrible loss where they just didn't come to play. But if you look at the teams outside the top 10, Wisconsin doesn't belong in that group. Agreed. They're better than that. So uh, Wisconsin is legit. Their defense is legit. And they'll be able to control the clock a little bit and and hopefully hold Ohio State's offense down by, by chewing up some yards on the ground. I like Ohio State 35, Wisconsin 14. So that's Ohio State so and both, the under. So we both have a three-touchdown spread is what we right. both got. I'm just barely under, though, at, at 49 points with the uh, total being 50 and a half. So that's a... With Ohio State, I hate taking the under. I haven't taken it all year, but this one's a lot with that Wisconsin defense and their ability to run. So that moves us to Saturday at 3.30. We've got the Miami, Ohio Redhawks at Kent State. Kent State is favored by two in that game. The total is 58 and the hook. Yeah, um, you know, Miami needed a win last weekend, right? And they got it. And they got it. Chuck Martin, you Um, beat me there. As a a slight underdog. Um, you know, Chuck Martin can stay. Their, their only loss in the league was at Western Michigan. It was 21-16 late. They gave up some late scores in that game to make it a, a lopsided margin. But, they, I mean, they were right in that game. Um, I think Miami, I think everybody still has in mind the 76-5, right, against Ohio State. And it's hard to take that away from your memory. But in the MAC, they're 2-1 now. Their only loss on the road at Western Mish, which is a pretty good MAC team, um, in that game. I don't think Kent State's great. I'm, I'm going to go with Miami with the win here. I'll go Red Hawks. I still don't believe in their offense, even though they had a pretty good game last week. And I'll go Red Hawks 27-23. So they get the outright win, and it stays under the total. Yeah, I think Miami will score some points in this game as well because Kent State's defense is awful. I mean, they cannot stop anybody. But Kent State can score a little bit. And um, because I pick against Miami every week for Jed Demusi's sake, I'm going to roll with the Golden Flashes here and say Kent State 35, Miami 28. So Kent State does cover the two points and it goes over that huge total of 58 and a half. Risky, risky pick, I'm aware. Saturday at 7.30, we've got Missouri at Kentucky. The Tigers are favored by 10 in that game. The total is 45 and a half. Well, I mean, they, they seem like they've gotten Sawyer Smith through what they wanted to get him through to the portion of the schedule. They figured they could win games. They, they've kind of held him out of the, the this last game, the Georgia game. Even though, though they not, said he could have played. Yeah, he's yeah. not fully healthy, and it's a tough place to go try to win. And they battled their ass off and just weren't good enough offensively. Um, the defense was was great. Missouri was kind of that chic team. They've they've you know they've been they've, they've been playing pretty well. Did not play great at Vandy. Um, that would cause me to, to alarm it. I, I think Kentucky wins this outright. I really do. I, wow. I, it's back at home. Um, yeah, Kelly Bryant is obviously the is a good quarterback for Missouri. But the Kentucky defense, I know it was sloppy, and I know you know Georgia isn't playing great, but their defense has been pretty good for the most part this year. I mean, year. hell, if they could have gotten off the field at all right. in the first three quarters, right. they probably would have had a heck of a game. And, and they had a touchdown callback that would have put them up seven nothing. And Georgia, the way they were playing, could have gotten a very tight sphincter at that point, And who knows how that thing yeah. turns out? Kentucky's defense was very good against Georgia for three yeah. quarters, and they were on the field the entire time. I'm going to so. go Kentucky twenty seven twenty three. I get them the outright win and it goes over the total all right i like kentucky to cover the number here too i mean 10 feels big for a missouri defense well missouri offense that isn't very good first of all and a missouri defense that its secondary is good and it gets after the quarterback a little bit but they can't stop the run and kentucky wants to run the ball Uh, that's what they do well anyway so i think this game is going to be low scoring because of that kentucky has been under i think you know 
five or bunch. five or six games yeah. now this year. So I'm going to go uh, Missouri 20, 21, Kentucky 13. So Kentucky covers the number and hits the under there. There you go. When Missouri's got the outright win. All right, to the NFL we go. All right, Thursday night, 820. We've got the Redskins at the Vikings, and we've got some wild lines we here really, for our NFL games. We really do, man. All right, starting with the Vikings. Vegas is, you know what Vegas is? The Vegas is tired of these slop teams, and they're just saying, listen, screw you. We, we screw, we've got to get some point. we got to get some, some betting on the other side of the equation. Absolutely right. It's been all favorites. Uh, but the, the funny thing is, the underdogs have been hitting for that exact reason, probably. Vikings are 15.5-point favorites at home against the Redskins. The total in that game is 42 points. Yeah, the short week for both teams, that's a big-ass number, man. It's a huge number. <laughs> for for the Redskins' offense, it's completely inept. Yeah, this feels like a game where the Vikings get up, and then they just decide, we're just going to run the ball. and we'll, we'll, He doesn't we'll, want to we'll pass punt. anyway. Yeah, well, they've been passing more lately. I mean, well, of course, they had to. They've tur- tur- turned Kirk Cousins loose, and he's actually played pretty doggone well. they got two of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah, and one of them, Adam Thielen, got hurt in the last game. I, I'll go Minnesota, too, boy, 23-10. to 10. They just kind of slopped their way through it. So I'll go the, I'll go Redskins to cover and the under. All right. I like the Vikings to cover this number, even though it is huge. I'm going to say 28-7. I just don't think the Redskins will be able to their score is pathetic. at all. I'm now, going, you had to toss both sides out this last game, both their offense and defense, because it was played in a slop and 9 nothing felt like yeah. the way that game was going to end anyway. But this this week wasn't anything new. They've been bad no, that's, for that's a right. few You're weeks right. now right. in terms of not being able to score. I'm going Vikings and the under here, um, and I'd, I'd feel pretty good about that under, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Sunday at 1 o'clock, you've got the Bengals. At uh, in in London against the Rams, thirteen and a half point favorites are the Rams. The total in that game is forty eight and a half. Yeah, it, it's impossible to to, to to see a scenario of the Bengals winning for sure. Um, and it, it just making that trip with the way this team is right now, and who knows how this goofy week unfolds with Cordy Glenn and all that crap that's going on, and probably no AJ Green again, and. Um, yeah, I'm not a big believer in the Rams. I don't think they're great, but I, it just feels like here's where the, the, the teacher takes the pupil to the woodshed. I'll go Rams. Rams 32 to 10. I, I think it's a comfortable win. I'll, I'll go. I'll stick with the under. The Rams defense is not great, but the addition of Jalen Ramsey seemed to have helped in week one. Um, yeah, it just, it, I don't I can't make a case for the Bengals even covering this number. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, especially with it being in London. I mean, if this game's at Paul Brown Stadium, uh, maybe I, I see the Bengals putting up enough points to cover the number, but not in this one. I think the Rams end up putting up 34, Bengals 17, so I'm going Rams and the over there. And that brings us to the Sunday night game at 820. We've got the Packers at the Chiefs. Packers are road favorites here four and a, by 4.5. The total in this game is 47.5. It feels like they're trying to reel you on the Chiefs. Um, Who did play well finally last did, week. They did play well, but some of that's Denver just stinks. Green Bay's coming off a great game. Aaron Rodgers you know, was was just dynamic. Um, I, I think Green Bay's got some mojo going. I, I do. Um, and I, I got to see more of Matt Moore when it matters in a game and against a team that matters. And this Packer team's pretty good to me. I'm going to go Green Bay with the road win. 27 17, actually. I think they win comfortably on the road by 10, and the total stays under. Yeah, I I'm, I think the Packers are rolling right now, too. With the Chiefs having Matt Moore at quarterback, it completely changes the and, and, they, and they haven't run the ball great. No, they haven't If I could all. say they could, you could turn to that and let Matt Moore do some play-action stuff, then maybe I could buy it, but I just I don't see it. That being said... I've been bad at NFL picks I'm all terrible. year. I'm taking way too many favorites again today. So I'm going to say the Chiefs cover the number because the Packers have one of their ridiculous defensive games where they just don't get any stops, period. Yeah. But they can score as many as they want. So they win outright 34-31. Okay. Chiefs cover the number, and it, and goes, it goes well over. All right, there you go. That, again, that total, 47 and a half. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it goes over that. Yeah. So then that moves us to the Monday night game, 8-15. We've got Dolphins at the Steelers. And again, just a ridiculous... Ridiculous number. The Steelers are favored by 14 and a half in this game. The total is 43 points. How about the fact that the Steelers have now played two winless teams on Monday night? The winless Bengals and the I winless mean, Dolphins. How bad is the Monday night schedule oh, this year? It's, it's brutal. I mean, the, only, the only reason people are watching is whatever fantasy guys they got left and the get-out game on a Monday night for those that are that are deep into the man. Yeah, so that's about it. I mean, if you're betting these Monday night yeah. games, yeah. which I am. Um, Miami's just so pathetically bad. And the Steelers are, you know, the Steelers have found something. They found something with their defense. 
Um, you know, these last couple of games with the Bengals and 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 the one this past week, uh, last handful of games, they found some. I thought they played the Ravens pretty tough too, obviously in the, in that span. Um, so they've played pretty well here of late, winning out against the Chargers. I'll go Steelers twenty three to nine. I'll give the Dolphins nine. I think it stays way under that total of 43. Yeah, I'm with you on it, hitting the under. The Dolphins have hit the under in all but two games this year. Now, one of those games was this past weekend where they went over, but I don't see it happening in this one. I like Steelers to cover the number. I've got Steelers 28, Dolphins 13, so that's Steelers and the under. Yeah, see, actually, I got, I, I've got it on the hook, so I guess I, I do have Miami to cover the number, but I got Pittsburgh to win the game. It just... I don't know. It just feels that the Dolphins have done a good job of just hanging around some of these lately. They're 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 so bad though. My God, they're so bad. Yeah, we're both really close because I've got them just over that hook at fifteen. And I've got them just right. under the hook. Yeah. All right. So that uh, that moves us on here, switching gears to World Series. The Washington Nationals held on for a five four win over the Houston Astros Tuesday night in Game One of the World Series. The Nationals entered the series as a plus one seventy five underdog. Vegas has now dropped those odds to plus 100. Game two is tonight at 8.07. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. And game three is set for Friday at 8.07. Skinny, who do you like between the Nationals and Astros in the World Series? I would have said even before the Nationals won that game that, that they've seemed like they've got the momentum on their side. And, and it's always hard to put a finger on that, right? Because both teams have been insane since the first two months of the season. Yes. I mean, the Nationals at one point, I believe, were 19-31. and 31, and, Yeah, and, and Astros, they are. Astros weren't much better. Yeah, but you knew the Astros were going to bounce back. There was some belief of, oh, they lost Bryce Harper, and right. they don't have enough pitching, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they've been, they've been great. Um, the fact is, the Nationals can obviously match, at least in starting pitching, what the Astros can throw out there. You throw out a Garrett Cole, I throw out a Max Scherzer. You throw out a Justin Verlander, I'll send a, throw out a Steven Strasburg. And yeah, in the vacuum, Verlander's a Hall of Fame pitcher, So, but you got four Cy Young-level guys uh, right there. I mean, in terms of pitching matchups for a World Series, it doesn't get any better than what we're getting this year. And the Astros, when you look at that lineup, it's so stinking good. The Nationals... They've been shuffling a little bit Yeah, like, in because the they're still a power-laden team. Even though the Nationals won game one, and I'm making a case for them having all this momentum and be able to match them pitcher for pitcher. I still think the Astros are the better team. I think over seven games, they will prove that, and maybe the series goes seven games. That would be fun. Yeah, like I, I like the Nationals. I actually, um, DraftKings Sportsbook, yes. um, their app offers some like some deals occasionally, and they actually offered the Nationals at plus 225, gave you some extra juice to take them before the series started. So I got them at plus 225. Wow, I felt really good about good. that going in. They won last night. I feel much better about it now. Oh, I mean, if they steal this game, holy cow. I'm looking really good. Yeah, I, I probably should have bet more on it than I did. But I do I do like the Nationals just for the reason you said. Look, the Astros are probably the better team, and their pitching staff is unbelievable as well. But the Nationals are maybe the only team in baseball that have the staff to match the Astros, and they just seem like a team of destiny right now. They're hot. I don't have much more than that. I haven't watched I, no, many I, of the games, I, I to be honest with, with you. you, but just, just I mean, watching the way they... Dudes. I mean, Rendon is a dude. Oh, he's awesome. Juan Soto's a dude. I mean, they got some dudes, but the, the Astros line up at every position, there's a dude. Yeah, it's they crazy. are stacked. Um, any any storylines that are jumping out to you about it? It's been kind of an uninteresting baseball well, playoffs. Well, other than the, the stupid assistant GM and running his mouth like he did after the one series. But no, the, the storylines from a game perspective, I just think are the fact that in my lifetime, I'm not sure I've seen pitching matchups in a World Series like this where literally it's a Cy Young guy versus a Cy Young guy, right? Yeah, I can't think of a better... I mean, I'm sure someone's going to call me out for saying this, but I can't think of a better one that I've seen. I, I can't off the top of my head. Yeah, there. I mean, there, you just don't see, like you said, four Cy Young winners. Patrick Corbin on the Red Staff would either be their one or two. Now, Sonny Gray probably elevated himself and Castillo's in that mix, but Patrick Corbin's their three. And he's pitched great in the postseason. So, yeah, and it, it, I, I, it's a fun series. But I, even though the Astros lost and I just made the same case you made for the Nationals, I'm going with the Astros. I think they're the better team. All right, let's move on to the NBA. Season tipped off on Tuesday night. The Raptors beating the Pelicans in overtime and the Clippers beating the Lakers 112-102. There's a full slate of games tonight. But for the first time in years, the league feels legitimately wide open yep. heading into the season. So my question for you is, who do you like as the favorite to take home the NBA title? And of course, we've got the uh, odds here listed as well. So that, that factors in because I think you're not just looking, f especially this year, for who is the favorite. Who's but the value? Who's the best deal? Yeah. Uh, the Clippers uh, The Clippers are listed as the favorite, right? Plus 350? Yeah. So that's three and a half to one, in case you're wondering what the odds mean. It means the plus 350 is you could either bet 10 to win 35 or 100 in this case to win 350. So just so you know what the odds are. Basically three and a half to one. Lakers are four and a half to one. 
Uh, Bucks are six point two five to one. Sixers are seven and a half. Rockets are nine. Warriors are thirteen. Jazz are fifteen. Nuggets are twenty. Celtics twenty five. Nets twenty five. Blazers thirty six. Raptors thirty six. I can't make a case for teams down deep in there. The Raptors just don't have enough. I mean, you, you losing Kawhi Leonard, you lost the major part of what you did. Right. Um, they're a playoff team. I don't even know if they're a 50-win team. Yeah. They wouldn't be a playoff three. team in the West, I don't think. No, I don't think they would either. And the thing is, though, you got to look for the West of, of, man, all those teams are just so even that they're going to beat each other up. It's hard for me to, to pick one. Look, the Lakers do have the two, two-man two star power, but what did that get them in the opener? And I know it's a game in October. I know it's just the opener and all that stuff. But, God, they got 28 from Danny Green and still couldn't win, for goodness sakes. And and that was without uh, without the Clippers having uh, Paul George in the lineup. Yeah. They have no depth and no scoring off the bench. Right. Um, again, they do have the two, two of the, what, arguably four or five, however deep you want to go, best guys in the league. Right. But that Clippers have a – I think the Clippers are really good, but I don't like the value at plus 350 or three and a half to one. I think the value is terrible, to be quite honest with you. I think – I love the Bucs. I don't – I think there's only one other team in the East that, that can beat the Bucs, and that's the Sixers. And until the Sixers can prove it to me, the Sixers can't do it. Yeah, I, I – I'm with you. I think you start with the Bucks here when you think about placing bets. Now, do I think the Clippers or Lakers, or Lakers are good enough to win the West and, and be in the finals? Absolutely, I do. Um, gun to my head, I'd maybe say the Lakers are my favorite just because I really believe in the idea of LeBron having a comeback campaign this year after everyone has pretty much said he's lost a step. He's not the same guy. He's, he's at the end of his career. I think he's going to turn Anthony Davis into an MVP, um, and those two are going to work really well together. So I think the Lakers but have the a value, legit chance. But the, but the value, though. But at 450, I don't yeah. think I'm taking them here if I'm betting. If I, I was taking a team with value in the West, I'd take the Rockets at 9-1. to one. I don't know if that marriage can work because they're both black holes, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But yeah. if it does work... There's no, I mean, you can win with guards in this league. Obviously, the the Warriors have done it for years. Well, they two pretty damn good ones. They probably have the the most depth and most talent on their roster. Yeah. I don't know if the pieces all fit together the best, but they, yeah, I love their roster, especially from a regular season wins total perspective. They they might be first in the West when the regular season's over. All right. So the Warriors with the, with the, the news of Steve Kerr saying that the Clay Thompson is going to probably miss the year. Does does that change completely your thought on them? Yes. Or, okay, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because with him coming back, to me, At they are point. a definite playoff team. Yeah, it did, and it then did. once they're in, you've got yes. two guys who have been there before, plus Draymond Green. And you've, I mean, you've got to, you never know, right? I mean, even if they're they, a six, they, seven, eight seed. Right. They've won with that group before. Without, without Clay Thompson coming back now, my bet for them has nothing to do with whether they win the NBA Finals. It has to do with do they make the playoffs, yeah. which right now, no is plus 250. And I'm thinking about taking that yeah. because. That could be a disaster, and you're one Steph Curry injury away from from a lengthy losing streak. And, and he gets injured all the time, right? Right. Uh, and and really, Draymond's injured a fair amount as well. So yeah, I'm I I do not see the Warriors being a play here. I'm with you. I think the Bucks at plus six twenty five are one of the the better value plays here. It's probably where you start. I like the seventy sixers at could, plus seven fifty. Could, could the Nets be a sneaky team in the East? I think they are, but I've got a better one for you. Okay, the team I like in the East is the Celtics. Because you've got a East that is down this year. Now, granted, you still have the two teams up top and the Bucks are the 76ers, but neither one of them have done it yet. Neither one of them have been a team that have been there. The Celtics have been there to an extent with this, not exactly this group, but some of these guys, they, they've won a little bit with this group. Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach in a, a conference that's down now. And you just changed out your point guard going from Kyrie, who kind of tanked your team, to Kemba Walker, who is kind of known as one of those ultimate teammate type guys. I think Brad Stevens can win with Kemba Walker as his point guard. You get them at 25 to 1 odds in the East. I don't know what their odds are just to make the Eastern Conference Finals, but I'd take a hard look at that. And then who knows? Maybe, maybe you take them at 25 to 1 to win it all. I'm giving you 100 bucks to play with. What are you going to do with the 100 bucks? I got, I got three bets I'm going to make off of this with the $100. All, all, we're, we're talking about all these teams right yes. here. Yes. You don't have to put it all You can put it all in one if you want, or you right. can mix and match. Okay. I've, I've got my mix and match. I think I would be going. 76ers with a decent amount of it. Okay. Um, I'd put a little bit on the Celtics. Okay. And I think I'd put the the rest on the Bucks. I think I'd go I think I'd go fifty on the Bucks, fifty to win about three hundred and twenty is what the case would be. I think I'd put thirty on the Rockets, because of the little value, thirty to win two seventy. And I'm with you. I think I'd put either twenty on the Nets or the Celtics, twenty to win five hundred. So I'm kind of banking on the Bucks and or that other team, one of them to make the finals. And then if you get lucky and get the Rockets, then you're going to make some profit off of that. 
Um, I think that's that, that's a pretty good value play. The Nets are an interesting team. I mean, you have Kyrie Irving with yep. a ton to prove. He's saying all the right things, talking about leading by example and all this stuff finally. Which I mean, the t- Bucks are also a, a Greek freak injury away from who knows where they go. The, the Sixers are, um, you know, again, a, a mishmash of parts. And, you know, you're an beat injury away. And he got hurt a little bit last year. And, and so, yeah, I, I saw Ben Simmons make a jump shot to everybody, but I believe it when I see it. <laughs> he made a three, Sidney. I know, I'm sorry. Yeah, he made a three. I like a three. A three. All right. All right, Zion Williamson put a little bit of a damper on the start of the NBA season because he had arthroscopic arthroscopic knee surgery. Damn, that was easy to say. Monday to repair a torn meniscus in his right knee and is expected to miss six to eight weeks, according to the Pelicans. Williamson is listed at six foot six, 285 pounds. By the way, that's an inch shorter than he was listed in college. Do you think he is too heavy to be as explosive as he is and play his style? Or do you think that's a total overreaction to fit a narrative that critics have been trying to push since he was in high school? The thing is, he carries that weight so well. I mean, it's not like he's he's bouncing up and down with blubber. I mean, he carries that weight great, but he's also gotten hurt a couple times now, right? And I can't pin that on the weight, but you also have to deal with coming back from the injury with the weight. Um, I don't think it's an overreaction. You may disagree with that. I, again, I, I watch him carry it, and I don't look at a guy who's 285 pounds. I just look at a big guy who can move, and he's not a fat guy. He's just a big dude. And maybe that's the, the, the God has gifted him with all these great athletic attributes and then this beautiful, ginormous body, and unfortunately, the two don't mix. And I'm afraid of that for him because... I mean, he's going to play hard. He is explosive. It just it worries the daylights on me. But I don't know how you fix it. I don't know if there, there are some body types. You and I remember a guy named James Bolden who played at Holmes in West Virginia. James might have been the skinniest human being I've ever seen in my lifetime. I mean, he was just a rail, right? Yep. And he put on a little bit of weight at, at West Virginia. He put on a little bit of strength, probably, I don't know, 20, 25 pounds. Yeah. Still looked very thin. I mean, your frame can only, people are built differently, right? Your frame can only do so much. Some people, running backs, you see them, guys 5'10", 220, you're like, he weighs 220? Well, look at his ass and look at his thighs and look at where the, I mean, honestly, <laughs> look at where the strength is. I mean, some people just carry the weight differently. So I, I think the lazy narrative is he's too heavy, but the bottom line is I think it's just his body type, and I'm not sure how he sheds that. Yeah, uh, well, look, he's always going to be a big guy. I right. think the concern is is his style with it being so predicated on explosion, being explosive, um, and playing above the rim. And here's here's the thing: people need to make up their minds because I do think. Look, there's probably something to the fact that his style combined with his size and everything is going to put him at risk of having some injuries. At the same time, I, which is it? Is it that he's too explosive and too strong and that can't, and he can't handle it? Or is it that over the course of an 82 game schedule, his joints can't take the pounding? Because this happened at the very beginning of the season. Right. And a lot of the criticism I've heard is his body won't hold up over 82 games. Well, this has nothing to do with that. So I don't think this is like a direct correlation that, oh, yeah, his body can't take it. I think this is a torn meniscus that it happens, right? Like, I don't it this does. doesn't this doesn't guarantee anything to me. At the same time, I think it'd be silly to look at a guy who's as athletic as he is and his game relies on his athleticism so much and say, hey, you know, is it not a concern that he could get hurt and not be the same player anymore? Now, the people who say he can't lose any weight at all or if he does lose weight, he'll be average. I don't agree with that. I don't that. believe that. I just don't know. With Again, when you look at his body type, do you look at a fat guy? Um, no, but he's carrying a lot of extra weight. What I see, what I see is uh, maybe LeBron James at one point was up around 275, 280 yeah, he, pounds he as looked, well. He looked thick. He was really, really big. And he lost a lot of that weight. He plays down probably around 240-ish now. Um, people are saying that like Zion won't be as an effective as effective oh, a player if he drops thirty pounds. Yeah, crazy I, I, me. He'll yeah. still be bigger than most NFL linebackers. I'll give you that. I just I don't know if his body type can do that. I just don't know if it can. I think he could shed thirty pounds in okay. a way like LeBron maybe, did. Maybe. I mean, if you look back to how LeBron was as like his a third or fourth year fifth oh, year yeah, player was, in the NBA, he wasn't thin because he's always been chiseled, but he was th- much thinner. Well, he well no, like four years in the NBA, he was huge. Well, and then he dropped no, I, down. A I bunch. thought he was huge like three years ago. I thought he had bulked up to the point of man, he looked like a monster. Whenever it was, he he got really big and he lost a bunch of the weight as he got older because he knew that his joints weren't going to be able to take it. I think you'll see Zion do a similar thing. I think he'll have to lose weight eventually as he gets older, as most guys do, and you lose some of the explosion. But I don't think this one injury is 
clear evidence that hey he's not going to pan out because his, his joints yeah, can't I, take I it I, I need to see more he's proof a of big that. strong muscular guy with big strong joints right. I think he'll hold up fairly well I'm I'm less concerned about a guy like him than I am a Kevin Durant body who's seven foot and, and spindly and and has those feet problems uh all right switching gears again we're gonna go back to the NFL real quick because we had a funny situation during the Monday night game Sam Darnold was mic'd up for the Jets 33 nothing loss to the Patriots and was caught saying quote I'm seeing ghosts on the sideline after throwing his third interception of the night Darnold finished the game 11 of 32 for 86 yards with zero touchdowns and four interceptions Skinny, my question is do you think it's possible that the cheating Patriots have resorted to using paranormal help on defense you know we talked a lot about ghosts on this show I thought it was appropriate pe- people, topic. people think they're real and knowing, the, knowing the Patriots I mean they were sending all out blitzes with 11 people kept saying that there was zero you know zero coverage blitzes or means there's zero safeties back there I think Sam saw safeties back there and didn't think he could throw it because of because of that. So that's why he kept taking those hits Look. in the sacks and then throwing passes where he shouldn't have because he kept say, thinking, well, I can't throw it there because there's two ghost safeties. You have them Spygate filming other teams. No doubt. You have Deflategate Correct. where they underinflated footballs. Now you have Ghostgate. Now you have Ghostgate. I think it's very clear that they is. are using the paranormal on defense. In all seriousness, though, do you think this Patriots defense is – all-time good or do you think they're benefiting from beating up on some bad quarterbacks i think a little of both but they're getting there i mean do you know what they're this is incredible i heard this stat this morning do you know what their record would be if their offense had not taken a single snap this year the patriots uh they would have lost one game two four and one without their offense taking a single snap that's incredible to me that they actually would have won just they would have won two games just on their defense scoring against opposing teams without their offense even playing one snap. Yeah, I guess I forgot that their defense hasn't scored a touchdown in every right, game because right. they it feels like it because they really have put themselves in position. Uh, their defense is insane, and that's why we talked about it last week. I think one of the best bets in the NFL this year is going and betting when you can bet on who scores a touchdown, right. betting on other. Yeah, because they throw the ball to a million different people, and their defense is a threat to score every single game. It really is. Um, and, and for those that are wondering what Sam Darnold means when he says that, it's it's quarterbacks on occasion, and, and I think it ha- it's happened with Andy Dalton at times, is you feel the pressure, and sometimes the pressure really isn't where you, th- 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 it's really not there, but you're so used to, oh my God, my left tackle's getting beat, I just know the guy's there, I just know the guy's there, and maybe for once he sent him way behind, or he fell down, or whatever, and I think that's where Sam Darnold was, he thought that people were coming from everywhere because they were like an avalanche and he couldn't get rid of the football. And it was a, and when he did, it was a five ring circus of interceptions. Yeah. Andy Dalton seeing pressure is the definition of someone seeing ghosts. I mean, that is absolutely when you're trying to describe what's that look like to an athlete. Yes. It's Andy Dalton under pressure. I mean, he is the definition of seeing ghosts. Um, I guess like, I think everyone, for the most part, realizes that's a saying. It's a cliche thing. He yes. didn't actually mean, like, I'm seeing right. ghostly figures out there. But do you feel like it's a big deal for him to be know, know that he's mic'd up and for him to say that? Yeah, I, I think everybody took that as an indictment of the offensive line. Um, or just an indictment of the kid himself that he's not going to be able to shake that and everyone's going to think he's a yeah, basket case and can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would say this. I mean, if I were the Jets, I'm not sure I would have mic'd the kid up. <laughs> what I, are you I, doing? Not, not, I mean, if you were playing the Dolphins, yeah, mic the kid up and let him let him be happy when he throws his third touchdown pass like, of the night. It's like, but against New England, you're yeah, going to mic him up? Come yeah, he had on. a great game last week. Guess what, Chief? You weren't playing Bill Belichick, who has a history of just dominating savage young against yeah. young quarterbacks. I yeah. Mean, Okay, let's let's go through the quarterbacks that the Patriots have played this year yep. so far, though. Okay, you got Ben Roethlisberger in that first week who went no touchdowns, one interception. Pretty good, seen it all, done it all. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and I mean that's probably the best quarterback they faced all year. Granted, no AB and trying to figure out your weapons, but still pretty good quarterback. Dolphins, you got the Fitzpatrick Rosen combo. They combined to go <laughs> zero touchdowns, four interceptions. Yep. Then you had uh, Luke Falk, I think his name is for the Jets. Uh, yeah, the first Old time man around. Fox boy? Yeah, he got cut uh, about a week or two after uh, this. I, I thought thought so. Ooh. Okay, so he had zero touchdowns, one interception. Then for the Bills, you had the Josh Allen-Matt Barkley combo. Because Josh Allen got knocked out with a concussion late in that game, and Matt Barkley is a, is just a flaming dumpster fire. Right. Allen, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Barkley, zero touchdowns, one interception. Then you had Colt McCoy the next week for the Redskins, who went zero touchdowns, one interception. Then you had Danny Dimes from the Giants, who finally put up a touchdown, a passing touchdown against this defense. Well, Along with three interceptions. Well, yeah, but Golden Tate made a great play on that ball, <laughs> yes. too. So. Yes, he did. Um, but it was a passing touchdown against passing the Patriots touchdown. defense. The only one this year. And then the Darnold went. No, you're right. Four. I mean, the list of quarterbacks is pretty pretty bad. But, man, they have kicked their ass. They've been unbelievable. I mean, I, I think they are all-time good. 
I do think part of this, though, is they are Agreed. beating up on some yeah. bad and inexperienced Falk, quarterbacks. Luke Falk is now out of the league. Danny Dimes, everybody got all giddy because he, he won his first two starts. Don't forget, though, Tampa Bay would have beaten him um, if the kid can make a 20-whatever, seven-yard field goal for Tampa. So literally, his only win would be over Washington to date. Is that something special? Not exactly. Exactly. So there you go. All right, Skinny, let's wrap up with kind of a crazy this story. Is this is out of St. Louis. A high school canceled the remainder of its undefeated football team season and fired the entire coaching staff after it was revealed that a suspended player suited up in a different uniform and played a game. On October 15th, St. Louis High School Sports.com reported that 7-0 Cardinal Ritter College Prep had allowed running back Bill Jackson Real name. to play the August 31st season opener at Nazareth Academy, even though the junior should have, by rule, received a one-game suspension after he was ejected in last year's state title game. Instead, Cardinal Ritter allowed Jackson to switch his uniform number from 4 to number 24 and play the opener as, quote, freshman Marvin Burks, who actually does appear to be a real human being, which is probably smart. You probably don't make up a new human. Um, while wearing number 24, Jackson rushed for 109 yards and had a 56-yard touchdown in that 32-21 win over Nazareth, the preseason number one team in Chicago and defending Illinois Class 7A champions. After rushing for 147 yards against Lutheran North, Jackson and his coach told St. Louis High School Sports.com that Jackson sat out week one, quote, Watching last week, it wasn't fun at all, Jackson said. It gave me a spark. His coach said he earned Living it. Alive. He deserved it. It was his time to play ball. The plan then blew up weeks later because of Jackson's tattoos on his right arm. After being called out on it, the coach talked to CBS affiliate in St. Louis and said he wasn't aware that Jackson should have been suspended for a game. Quote, that's kind of my wrongdoing of not knowing the rules and that he shouldn't have not set out the jamboree. He should have set out week one. So that's what happened, the coach said. That's a thing our kids do on on a regular basis. You know, they try to change jersey numbers and sometimes they don't let us know. So not only did this coach force his kids to to lie, lie, but then... He lied and threw them under the bus and said they did it. We didn't have any idea that it was going to happen. We didn't know that was our star player scoring the winning touchdown. But but you called him Marvin Burks and you said he was a freshman. And you also lied next week saying he sat out the game. Yeah, I mean what a what a piece of trash this guy is. And the the to best win part a high is, school football game, you're going to pull this stunt guy. Skinny, you know the best part about this whole story: the people at Cardinal Ritter are supporting the coach. They're mad at the school. For firing the guy. That's that. That's, they said he's a great guy. Does a lot in the community. Has helped out numerous kids along the way. That's all well and good. You but know, you it's know, okay you, to just make them live a lie. You know what? You know what? If you're that kind of a person, if you're that good of a guy, you want to teach the life lesson. You teach the kid that you shouldn't have done something stupid in that state title game last year. It's it didn't cost him his season. It didn't cost him his life. It cost him one football game to start a year. Guess what? I think you played more games since then, don't you? I would think. Um, and also, they're saying, well, you know, you, you can't hold it against the kid. That could have cost him scholarship opportunities, recruiting interest. Well, you said he was a different kid. Right. So colleges shouldn't theoretically even be looking at him in that game. I don't. I mean, this is just a wild move. Hey, Coach, can you come in here a second? Can you uh, get, a, get a look at this freshman Marvin Burks? Write him down. How about the fact that it took six weeks for a reporter to, to look at a picture and say, wait, that guy has a tattoo sleeve on that's the same as... The, the thing Old I man guess, Jackson's boy. The, the thing I like the best is actually his real name is Bill Jackson. That sounds yeah, like Bill Jackson made, isn't the made up name. <laughs> it sounds like it should be the made up name, doesn't it? You would think Marvin Burks has to be the real name. Yeah, right. They're both real kids for the record. But Un, I mean, I mean how would you how what? would you feel if you're freshman Marvin Burks? By the way, you <laughs> well, feel good? Yeah, you don't feel very good. I mean, you're just your well, name has just been soiled well, right now. You ran for 109 yards and a 56 yard touchdown. Right what, I hope Marvin Burks gets recruited as a result of this. I, I hope he's too. on the radar now. I mean, seriously, this this coach isn't even close to being in the right. He's so far in the wrong that he should never coach anywhere ever again. I mean, you want to talk about just getting lost along the way. I know, like, it's varsity sports. I know some of these guys get paid pretty good money at some of these nationally rated schools, which Cardinal Ritter, if Cardinal you don't know, yeah, they put out prospects absolutely. every year. I mean, they're a legit program. And they, they're, by the way, the best team in the state and expected to win a state title, or were, until their season got canceled. Yeah. I, and again, How could you do this to I, all those kids? I, I'm not even going to give you a scenario. I was about to give you one, and, and shame on me. I mean, I, I don't know what the, how the playoff structure works in, in Missouri. Um, you know, Kentucky's different from Ohio, where basically everybody in Kentucky gets in. Ohio has the Harbins. Everybody in Indiana does get in. Um, and then they sort themselves out from there. But, I mean, I can't believe that you would stoop to that level for one singular game to start a year. And, yeah, I know you even mentioned that that Nazareth team was the preseason number one team in Chicago and the defending class 7A champion in Illinois. But the lesson here is 
kid, we could have used you, but you know what? Because you acted the fool. And, I, and it could be, hey, he didn't think that the, the, the ejection was justified. It doesn't matter. Doesn't you, had matter. A, you had a chance to do probably an appeal process there. The state, which it always does because it doesn't want to listen that their officials might suck, just kind of rubber stamps that, but it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Right. And, and by the way, Skinny, you mentioned that team's from out of state that they played in the first right. week. It's not affecting their chances of making right. the playoffs. They're fu- they don't need that game. Now, Grant, I'm sure for rankings and national clout and all that stuff, it was a big game because it's a big-time team and a nationally ranked game that you're playing. But it should not matter. It's an insane move to put all the kids through. I mean, think about each week the, these kids are literally worried about covering this up. Well, it, the funny thing is you just wonder after maybe a couple of weeks if they thought they'd gotten away with it, right? Well, you have to imagine rumors started circulating. If someone actually went back and looked at this and was investigating photos, you have to imagine someone was talking about this and saying, hey, Marvin yeah, Burks, and the, and he, 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 had he had 107 yards in the first week and a 56-yard touchdown he hasn't played since. I mean, and his explanation is just incredible. And yeah, occasionally kids do change jersey numbers. They don't change them usually once the season starts. They may change them in the offseason where, um, you know, you wanted to wear number one and a senior ahead of you was wearing number one and now it's your turn to wear number one. I'll give you that part of it, but not in season A. And and B, you're the one that made up the name. And he won't, he won't stop. Uh, stop spinning this or lying or not. Like he hasn't admitted anything. The only thing he said legitimately where he kind of admits something happened is he says mistakes were made, mistakes were made, mistakes were made. He won't really By say you, and then in this, jackass. And then in this other view, he flat out lies and said, we didn't know. We didn't know he swapped jerseys. The kids were just a little playing a little prank. Cute kids switched their jerseys out and didn't tell us. But, but why did he use a different name then? I mean, you jackass. Would, you would think, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, this is so just... It's really incredible that this could even happen. It really is. Unbelievable. All right, Rick, good stuff on this podcast. We'll be back next week. It'll be the day after the NFL trade deadline. That comes up on Tuesday, the 29th at 4 o'clock. Will the Bengals pull a deal or will they not? And I'm going to say they likely will not. And we'll also be talking a lot of college, college basketball. basketball. That's right. Got our college basketball preview as well. So join us then for uh, Rick Boring. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition presented by Joseph Chevrolet.